702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Live, online. The 702 app, DSTV Channel 856, 92.7 and 106 FM. On the show today, Israel makes its case at the ICJ, saying its actions are to protect the people, not destroy a people. It also questions South Africa's relationship with Hamas. The ANC builds up to tomorrow's January 8th celebrations in Mpumalanga. Cricket South Africa announces that David Teager has been relieved of the captaincy of the SA Under-19 team, head of the World Cup for security reasons and sports and good things too. All of that over the next hour. 7.02. Let's walk the talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Madeira Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Good to be with you today. Today, Israel has three hours to respond to arguments advanced by South Africa yesterday in The Hague at the ICJ. Six lawyers making the case for South Africa yesterday in its genocide case against Israel. Today is the turn of Israel to respond to that. Proceedings started just after 11 o'clock South African time with Dr. Tal Becker, who's named is the agent for Israel. He's the legal advisor of the Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs, a veteran member of uh, successive Israeli peace negotiation teams as well. So he made the opening argument uh, detailing the events of October 7th and also uh, responding to much of South Africa's case as well. Professor Malcolm Shaw, King's Counsel, is currently arguing. We'll take you there live in a moment, but let's bring you up to speed if you missed the first hour with Dr. Tal Becker and part of his opening statement. The applicant has now sought to invoke this term in the context of Israel's conduct in a war it did not start and did not want. A war in which Israel is defending itself against Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad and other terrorist organizations whose brutality knows no bounds. The civilian suffering in this war, like in all wars, is tragic. It is heartbreaking. The harsh realities of the current hostilities are made especially agonizing for civilians, given Hamas's reprehensible strategy of seeking to maximize civilian harm to both Israelis and Palestinians, even as Israel seeks to minimize it. But as this court has already made clear, the Genocide Convention was not designed to address the brutal impact of intensive hostilities on the civilian population. Even when the use of force raises, quote, very serious issues of international law and involves enormous suffering and continuing loss of life, end quote. The convention was set apart to address a malevolent crime of the most exceptional severity. We live at a time when words are cheap. In an age of social media and identity politics, the temptation to reach for the most outrageous term, to vilify and demonize, has become for many irresistible. Dr. Tal Becker in his opening statements there. He also went on to speak about the fact that it is a matter of public record that South Africa enjoys close relations with Hamas despite its formal recognition as a terrorist organization by numerous states across the world. Have a listen. 
South Africa has long hosted and celebrated its ties with Hamas figures, including a senior Hamas delegation that incredibly visited the country for a, quote, solidarity gathering just weeks after the massacre. In justifying instituting proceedings, South Africa makes much of its obligations under the Genocide Convention. It seems fitting then that it be instructed to comply with those obligations itself, to end its own language of delegitimization of Israel's existence, end its support for Hamas, and use its influence with this organization so that Hamas permanently ends its campaign of genocidal terror and releases the hostages. Madam President, members of the court, the hostilities between Israel and Hamas have exacted a terrible toll on both Israelis and Palestinians. But any genuine effort to understand the cause of this toll must take account of the horrendous reality created by Hamas within the Gaza Strip. So that was earlier Dr. Tal Becker with the opening statement. Professor Malcolm Shaw, KC, an internationally renowned expert in international law, is currently making the case for Israel. Let's listen in live. Is a tragedy, anyone. And to avoid them, what you do is first you try and get the civilian out of harm's way. And that's exactly what we did. There are many more of the same. Any careful review of the official and binding policy decisions made by the relevant authorities in Israel since the outbreak of the war clearly evidence that such decisions lack any genocidal intent. The contrary is true. They are indicative of the consistent and relentless commitment of Israeli relevant authorities to mitigate civilian harm and alleviate civilian suffering in Gaza. Some of the comments to which South Africa refers are clearly rhetorical, made in the immediate aftermath of an event which severely traumatized Israel, but which cannot be seen as demanding genocide. They express anguish and the necessity to restore control over Israel's own territory under severe threat and safety to its citizens. As Dutch Tomka has noted, sometimes statements are made which are nothing more than a part of the recent wartime rhetoric, intending to put the blame and shame on the other side. Not to be totally ignored, but not to be ascribed an importance which belies how and when they were made, nor of legal significance. Let me refer to one further matter of some biblical moment. Yesterday, the applicant referred time and again to two statements by the Israeli Prime Minister where he said, remember what Amalek did to you, and attached great importance to it as part of the argument that Israel has demonstrated a genocidal intent. There is no need here for a theological discussion on the meaning of Amalek in Judaism, which was indeed not understood by the applicant. Let me just turn to the Prime Minister's statement of the 28th of October, which was partially and misleadingly quoted yesterday. 
Professor Malcolm Shaw, KC, arguing the case in the ICJ on behalf of Israel. Well, let's get uh, two takes on this uh, and uh, various analysis. Let's start with Anne Hertzberg, who's the uh, human rights lawyer, author and legal advisor as well, who's been following proceedings this morning. Anne, good morning. Good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, as we've heard in that audio that I've played, Israel's argument here is that it is not intending to destroy a people, but rather to defend a people as per the genocide convention. Uh, Take us through that. Sure. Um, Basically, South Africa has made a case that Israel's military campaign uh, to eradicate Hamas following the October 7th massacre is intended to destroy the Palestinian people. And what Israel is, and and to make that case yesterday and in its 84-page brief, the South African government put in mostly relied upon quotes from Israeli officials that, as we just heard from Professor Malcolm Shaw, had been taken out of context or grossly distorted, and also made, asserted many statements that were false or were very selective in terms of how humanitarian aid is being provided in the Strip. And also what South Africa did is they completely erased the context of Hamas and how it is embedded within the civilian infrastructure in Gaza. And that is largely responsible for the uh, casualties and damage we've been seeing. So what Israel is doing and what it has, what um, Tal Becker did earlier this morning and what Professor Malcolm Shaw is doing right now is going through that, uh, first showing the selective use and cherry picking of facts and the erasure of Hamas, as well as South Africa's erasure of the context of what happened on October 7th, its severity, and why Israel needs to eliminate Hamas. And then Professor Shaw is also going through that, but he is also speaking about how this whole case was brought about by South Africa um, unilaterally and without going through the proper procedures under the Genocide Convention in order to bring such a case. So, so far, that's what we've seen in Israel's response. Uh, Professor Shaw saying that this is a, a uni dispute, not a, a dispute, I think was was yes. the, the, the phrase that he used. Uh, Tal Becker also making reference to the Genocide Convention and the origins of the Genocide Convention in his closing remarks this morning, uh, speaking about the fact that it, it was it came about post uh, the, the Second World War. It, it was brought about in 1948. And uh, his comments around that, uh, explaining the the origins of, of the Genocide Convention and the actual definition of, of genocide, which is important in terms of the legalities being argued here. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's, it's quite egregious, particularly for members of the Jewish community and people living in Israel, that this instrument, which was adopted because of World War II and the Holocaust, it was coined by Raphael Lemkin, a Jew himself, Um, who wanted to give weight to this horrible crime that the Nazis have perpetrated. So it's quite egregious that this has now been turned on its head. We we are seeing now what what I've been coining as atrocity inversion, and it is now being used to attack the very people who have suffered genocide historically and also who suffered and attempted genocide on October 7th.
Thank you very much, uh, Anne Hertzberg, legal advisor, human rights lawyer, speaking to us there. That's uh, the first take on this. Uh, let's speak now to Asia Kaji, international relations expert research fellow at the Africa Asia Dialogue and geopolitical analyst. Asia, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, as we've uh, been playing for our, our listeners, the live audio of the argument being made today, uh, Israel responding to South Africa's case. Uh, we've got uh, Professor Malcolm Shaw, KC, currently arguing around jurisdiction. Take us through uh, what has happened so far from your perspective. Uh, basically, tried to posit that South Africa's case is decontextualized, manipulative, and ahistorical. In doing so, he used a very well-worn rhetoric of Israel as victim. Uh, however, he focused particularly on the fact that Israel was acting in self-defense, what he said was the fact that Israel was acting in self-defense against the October 7th massacre. Now, South Africa has acknowledged in its submission um, what happened on October 7th, but its charge of genocide is basically that Israel as an occupying state Firstly, does, cannot fall back on this rhetoric of self-defense. And the ICJ's previous rulings have upheld this, that when a state that is occupying the land of another people, that is recognized as occupied territory under international law, which both Gaza and the West Bank are, cannot fall back on this rhetoric of self-defense because if it is an occupying state, it is in control of that land and that region and that people and therefore cannot argue self-defense. There has uh, also been uh, much said about South Africa's relationship with Hamas today and Dr. Tal Becker making that point uh, in his opening remarks. Take us through that. Yes, uh, you know, he, he has characterized um, Israel's response as being a response against Hamas, against terrorists, and then he has criticized South Africa's engagement with Hamas. South Africa has engaged with Hamas, as our own Ministry of International Relations and Cooperation will say, um, in the, in, in the um, guise of diplomacy, in, the, uh, in an attempt to bring about a solution in the occupied territories and Israel, and has done so from the very beginning. Um, it has criticized and condemned Hamas's actions on October 7th. But it has also made very clear that the collective punishment of all Gazans cannot be characterized as a retaliation against Hamas. More than 10,000 children have died since um, this conflict began on October 7th. And more than 10,000 Palestinian children have died. Those children have been, in some events, in some cases, neonates, newly born, who were left in hospitals to die. Right, Aisha, thank you. Thank you very much, Aisha Kaji, Research Fellow at the Africa-Asia Dialogue and Geopolitical Analyst. So there's two takes on what's been happening this morning. Let's speak now to Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, who's been following proceedings for us. Lindsay, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, currently, we have Professor Malcolm Shaw Casey making uh, Israel's argument after hearing Dr. Tal Becker earlier. Take us through what's happening now. Uh, yes, Mandy, so not to repeat what um, your analyst has already said. Um, he's really dealing with the aspect of uh, jurisdiction, uh, which you will recall John Dugard for South Africa 
um, um, presented to the court yesterday. Uh, and uh, Malcolm Shaw really um, rejecting claims by South Africa that Israel had ignored note verbal. These are diplomatic um, communications sent between governments that they had ignored these um, and really questioning whether um, this dispute is ripe enough really to be brought uh, to this court. Um, and also he is taking an uh, issue with the remarks that were put before the court yesterday, quoting former, uh, sorry, quoting Israeli uh, leaders and um, the South African team saying that these, uh, these statements were tantamount to genocide or uh, um, intent um, and saying that these quotes had been taken uh, out of context, had been misleading at best, he's told the court, and that they'd been very random. Uh, and so uh, really um, Israel's point um, being made to this um, point is that granting these provisional measures that South Africa um, is asking it to provide um, would really not only um, jeopardize uh, Israel's right to protect them and to defend themselves, um, but also mm. these accusations that are being made that Hamas is stealing and hoarding uh, humanitarian aid that is going into Gaza. Lindsay, thank you very much. Uh, Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, speaking to us there. So that's a, a comprehensive wrap of what happened earlier, uh, the audio of uh, the argument. Uh, we took you there live, two different takes, uh, analysis, and our reporter as well. We'll continue to bring you coverage on this, uh, and we will bring you uh, more coverage uh, throughout the EWN bulletins as well. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Well, let's go to Mpumalanga now, where the ANC is building up to its uh, January 8th celebrations tomorrow. And uh, Tiri Madia has been speaking to our International Relations Minister, Naledi Pando, about uh, what's currently happening at the ICJ. Tiri, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time today. Uh, firstly, tell us about your conversation with Naledi Pando. I mean, Mandy, I couldn't help it. When I saw her walk in the room, I knew exactly then and there that I wanted to get her thoughts. I mean, we've heard the president speaking about how proud he is of Team South Africa, and we've heard him specifically speaking about Ronald Lamola, who's from this particular province. But I saw the minister and I said, um, let's maybe start with South Africa's performance, but also let's speak about your expectations today. And Mandy, I think in the clip that I'm going to play for you now, I also ask her just about being an individual at the heart of this and facing the attacks, because she does take a fair amount of hits. She even spoke about it, saying it is that day, you know, one has to continue standing, but you are expecting the hits. Take a listen to a little bit of our conversation about both today's expectations and um, the attacks and insults she's faced over this period. Well, I have no doubt uh, that what Israel will try to do is focus uh, solely on the Uh, matter of the attack uh, by Hamas, which uh, we have uh, condemned the attack of October 7, and they will ignore the significant number of deaths that have occurred as a result of Israelis' uncaring bombardment of ordinary Palestinians who had no role in the attack of October 7. Uh, I think it will be difficult in the face of well-known Uh, deaths, uh, atrocities, and significant harm uh, to ordinary civilians, it's going to be very, very difficult to convince the world uh, that this was purely um, an attempt to uh, arrest and uh, stop those who committed uh, the uh, attack of October 7th. 
And lastly, you've also become an, a target for those who are against South Africa's actions. You take a position from a policy perspective, government's position, but then it becomes about you, the individual. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think this is without uh, merit entirely. I've always believed that insults are the last refuge of a scoundrel. And to direct uh, insults at myself uh, and allegations of association uh, with particular uh, groups that are termed uh, terrorist groups is merely to attempt to besmirch uh, my name and character. And that is entirely uh, without merit. Thank you. So, Tzidi, that's Nelly Pando, the International Relations Minister's uh, comments about what's currently happening under uh, at the ICJ. Take us through uh, what else is happening in terms of the ANC build-up to tomorrow. Yes, so today there have been some blitz campaigns at taxi ranks where you saw Paul Mashatila out and about. But I think what the main events today has been the PBF um, business colloquium. And in the evening, there'll be a gala, another fundraiser where presidents of the party, Salah Ramaphosa, will kind of give a view that might give insights into what to expect uh, at tomorrow's speech. What I've listened to today is Ibrahim, Minister Ibrahim Patel, Minister Mamulu Kukubai, Naledi Pando herself will speak a little bit later. So will Gwede Mantash. And a lot of the conversation, Mandy, is about, again, partnering with business, saying that, you know, government has all these issues, but it cannot be done alone. Ibrahim Patel saying that it is an increasingly difficult geopolitical space that we're finding ourselves in. Um, Mamluk Kuba is speaking about what South Africa needs to do in the face of a changing with global um, warming, where things are changing and you don't want to see disasters where brick and mortar have such a devastating impact that we need to find different ways to build faster shelters, faster, faster homes with material that's not as devastating as what brick and mortar would do. So lots of conversations about what needs to be done um, as far as the different um, departments that they represent are still on the go. I think what's also important to note is that um, as the final touches have been put in place, there was a special NEC last night. It was meant to deal with what should be going into the speech, just the final touches again. But I do know from um, <laughs> from what I'm hearing is that former President Jacob Zuma, Zuma's name did come up last night, but I think they reached a position where they were kind of set a tone. You know, that's what they hope for tomorrow as to how they want to approach Zuma. So he's likely to feature in their January 8th um, statements tomorrow. What else can we expect uh, from the ANC, from Ramaphosa? I see there's lots of chatter around former President Jacob Zuma um, and, and, and MK and uh, the, just, just how to deal with him generally. Mm. So the SACP and the MK veterans, um, the veterans, yeah, people like Snooki Zikalala have been quite clear about what they feel about former President Jacobs. And when you speak to people internally, they really want to blue tick him. But they are mindful, many of how difficult this period is. They'll say to you that um, it is something that if we blue tick it, it will continue festering. So that worries them. There were also concerns, Mandy, that some in the NC will leave. But uh, NEC members saying, if you're paying attention, people who align to him, your non is that some once upon a time your um super mahumapil even des van roy and mandy are going out of their way to kind of defend the anc des van roy is saying to those in the mk if you want to go go but we are staying we will not go so a lot of people who are traditionally um attached to the former president have also come out trying to rubber stamp their allegiance to the governing party so there will be a likelihood as i was saying that um there will be a likelihood where they state the party's position even if it is a minor 
minor take on Zuma that is likely to feature in the speech tomorrow. Sidi, thank you very much. Sidi Madia, Associate Politics Editor, speaking to us there from Pumalanga ahead of those January 8th events tomorrow. WhatsApp Mandy on 072-702-1702. Good afternoon, Mandy. Good afternoon to you and the team. Happy New Year. Let's have an year. All the best for this year. Uh, Mindy, I, 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 don't, I don't recall any moment that I, I've ever been so proud with a, an ANC MP. Uh, like I'm proud, like now, one, the way I'm proud with uh, uh, Mamana Lady Pando. As, you know, she makes me so proud. I'm, 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 I'm so proud to be a South African and to have been led by uh, 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 someone like her. Uh, uh, in the world, you know, she, 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 she makes all of us proud. You know, we, she stands for the truth. She's somebody who stands for the truth, who, who, who wants the, 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 uh, the, the truth to prevail. Viva Mama Nali Pando Viva. Hi, good day, Mindy. What worries me most about this case is the outcome. Are we prepared enough to handle the verdict if the verdict is against us? I foresee countries being dragged the united states the west and whatsoever so i don't think that we are ready to handle the outcome if the outcome will be against us thanks david good afternoon mendy uh look first i want to commend you for the way you have uh, handled this in terms of you know getting outside of the story but as you know there's there's my side your side and then there's the truth but I think the way you have handled it, you've given varying uh, experts, so to say, uh, space to give their views. And you can tell that they, this one is on the extreme side, this one on the extreme side. And also there's Lindsay. But overall, I will, yeah, I just wanted to commend you for the way you have handled this, you know, knowing, knowing your, back, your background and everything else. I think you have remained professional. And for that, big ups. Keep up the good work. You are here to inform, entertain, and educate, and that, I think that's what you are doing. Kiki. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And that is the intention of the team is to bring you balanced coverage here. Um, I know that there was some concern that I cut Aisha Kaji off. I apologize if that was uh, how it came across. I did not intend to do so at all. So my apologies to uh, Aisha Kaji if I ended her before she made her point. That wasn't my intention. Uh, we did want to bring you um, two different sides. So we had Anne Hertzberg and then we had Aisha Kaji as well and then Lindsay and that argument uh, has just uh, broken now for, for a break at the ICJ. So that's currently happening. Lots of response also uh, to uh, the statement from Cricket South Africa uh, in which it has announced that the uh, captaincy of the under-19 cricket team uh, that David Teager has been relieved of the captaincy for the tournament for security reasons, it says. So I'm going to very briefly uh, just read to you from the statement because you would probably not have heard it yet. I have posted it on social media. Uh, but in essence, what Cricket South Africa is saying is that Cricket South Africa has been receiving regular security and risk updates regarding the World Cup. We've been advised that processes related to the war in Gaza can be anticipated 
hosted at the venues for the tournament. We've also been advised that they are likely to focus on the position of the SA Under-19 captain, David Teager, and that there is a risk that they could result in conflict or even violence, including between rival groups of protesters. CSA has a primary duty to safeguard the interests and safety of all of those involved in the World Cup and must accordingly respect the expert advice of those responsible for the safety of participants and spectators. In all the circumstances, CSA has decided that David should be relieved of the captaincy for the tournament. This is in the best interests of all the players, the SA Under-19 team and David himself. David will remain an important and active member of the squad and we wish him and the team every success in the tournament. The newly appointed captain will be announced in due course. So that's the statement that has come out from Cricket South Africa. David Teager being relieved of the captaincy, ostensibly for security reasons in light of the comments he made at the Jewish Achievers Awards. Your thoughts on that? 072 702 1702 072 567 1567. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk. Well, let's go to the court now. And uh, a story we told you about yesterday Agnes Centuancho in the Mabatu Magistrate's Court for the continuation of her bail application. She faces a charge of murder for her niece, two counts of fraud, one defeating the ends of justice. Uh, a story that really smacks of the Rosemary and Lovell case. Well, let's get a quick update with Hamoto Modise, EWN reporter. Hamoto, good afternoon to you. Take us through what's happening there. Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, interesting revelations, but also claims from the defense in this case. So we heard from Agnes Sukhumuti Sotonko's lawyer today, Mkangamashangu, that the reason why she has multiple insurance policies in her name or why she's listed as a beneficiary for all these insurance policies is because she owns a funeral parlor and she was running a burial scheme. Now, this is the main defense from Agnes Sotonko. Today, her lawyer was arguing why she should be granted bail despite facing a Schedule 6 offence. Of course, the onus is on uh, Satwantel's lawyers to prove exceptional circumstances for her to be granted bail. We heard today her lawyer speaking about how she has a chronic illness, uh, a diabetes, and uh, she, uh, he says it's clear that the state is not in the position uh, to ensure that she receives her insulin at all times. Of course, this is contrary to the testimony that we heard from a nurse yesterday who told the court that Satanto actually has a freezer in her prison cell where she keeps her diabetes medication. Now, you know, the arguments from uh, Satanto's lawyers took over two hours, a little repetitive really as, um, you know, uh, the lawyers were really reiterating why they believe she's eligible for bail. And at the point when we were ready to hear the arguments from the state who are opposing bail, we then heard uh, from the state representative that the defense has actually presented new evidence in their arguments. And so they've requested time to go and prepare, um, you know, a response these arguments and so the matter has been postponed to Monday and I think um, uh, what came from the court today really and from the NPA is questions around why a supplementary affidavit wasn't prepared uh, by the defense uh, as they were planning to add to the initial case and the initial affidavit that they filed. So we're back in court on Monday and we're hoping to hear those arguments from the state and a judgment from the court. Komoto, thank you very much. Komoto Medise, EWN reporter, with the latest on that case of Agnes and Chuancho in the Mabatu Magistrate Court. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m.
So all week we've been bringing you the story of the allegations against uh, Bladen Zamande and the allegations to do with NSFAS. So an update now that we are uh, likely to see Bladen Zamande appear in Parliament at some stage to answer questions from MPs. Of course, Bladen Zamande has denied the allegations that have come forward in those recordings from Outer. The DA wants that hearing to be next week. Babalo Ndenze, EWN reporter, following the story for us. Babalo, good afternoon to you. Uh, take us through what the latest is from Parliament on this. Um, good afternoon, man. Yes, indeed, um, the DA is still insisting that the minister has to appear before Parliament. Um, these allegations are too serious, they say, for them to be just ignored by the minister, especially now since the the, the NSFAS chairperson, Ennis Corsa, has you know stepped aside to allow for you know the matter to be investigated. Now, the party's high education spokesperson, Chantelle King has written a letter to the chairperson of the portfolio committee, Nombendulom Kachwa, that's the higher education and innovation portfolio committee, you know, to request for this, um, you know, meeting, which will should be or will be um, in a hearing kind of a format, you know, where, you know, oath will be taken by whoever is going to be appearing before the, the committee, uh, whether it's the minister or Mr. Kosa or anyone else who's, you know, allegedly involved in this paying of kickbacks. And, and they want, you know, documents to be provided at this hearing and the minister to really, you know, substantiate that he never took in the, that the recording, whatever happened in the recording never took place and to make documents available as well and to also explain, you know, the veracity of this recording, whether he, you know, he thinks it's, it's, it's um, a recording that can be taken seriously by the committee. So that's where the committee currently is at the moment, uh, the DA's says, you know, um, the chairperson has not yet responded to that request for a hearing, um, but, you know, the chairperson would most likely first contact the minister first, you know, on the matter before confirming any date and then responding to the DA. So that's where we are at the moment, Mandy Chantal King, still waiting for that response or that correspondence. I've also, you know, been in contact with the minister's spokesperson, um, Veli Mbele, who's basically said that, um, you know, um, Veli basically said that, the, you know, you know, he will look into the questions, but has not responded whether the correspondence has been received by the minister. Babalo, thank you for that update. Babalo and Denze, EWN reporter, with an update on when we can expect Bladen Zamande to appear before Parliament. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Mandy, yesterday I warned that uh, we mustn't get ahead of ourselves before we hear the other side, uh, because, uh, you know, (laughs) the other side also have their own point of view, and now we're getting a more balanced picture of uh, the situation and as i always suspected there's a reason why the arab nations and the big nations have not taken this up because they know something that we didn't thanks farai mandy why do the spokespeople for the south african government keep saying that they have condemned the hamas attacks on the 7th of october when specifically they did not condemn these attacks and even when pushed for a response they refused to condemn these attacks thank you sports rap sports rap on 702 and cape talk
Anthony Tshader, I was so excited to speak to you because we're going to speak about sport, but invariably it happens that politics and sports are, are overlapping, uh, as is so often the case. Uh, Cricket South Africa statement on David Tiga, I did read it out. You don't have to go through through the whole thing, um, but ostensibly on, on sec- uh, for security reasons. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole spiel, Mandy, but um, you've got to wonder. I mean, there's a whole sporting side to this where you have a young man who potentially was you know, gunning for the Proteas set up in the next few years. Um, what kind of hit does this do to his confidence? What kind of um, form will the player be able to take? The other side of the coin, if if these risks are so great, and I mean, we don't have any knowledge or any idea of what the discussions have been between CSA and the security personnel, but if they're so great, how is he going to be part of the squad? How is he going to be able to continue and be part of it? And, and, and what does it say for... Freedom of speech. I don't know. That might be a, a little bit of a crazy thing. But I, in the, the mix of all of this, um, there is a, a young guy who is going to be stripped of captaincy, stripped of the opportunity to go and win a World Cup for his country as the captain and now just have to be part of mm. the squad. Lots of response uh, to that, I'm sure, throughout the afternoon. Uh, SA20 uh, this weekend um, with the Wanderers tomorrow for the Joe Burgers, um, and, which I'm very excited about, as you can hear. Um, and um, already underway. So what's, yeah. how's that going? I mean, Mandy, I think you're one of three people that has been excited for this tournament. There hasn't been much discussion. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if we're being totally honest, um, the first match goes and gets rained out and, and nobody really makes a fuss on social media. Everybody's just sort of like, yeah, there was cricket and now there's no cricket. That's great. Um, uh, it is a worry if, if South Africa have decided, well, we're not going to send some of our big stars to go play that test series in New Zealand. We're going to have the SA20s and then there's nobody that seems too excited about it. What does that say about the tournament going forward? You disagree. I can see the smile well, on your face. Let's talk about the fun over fun and <laughs> fun, shall we? <laughs> Are we excited for that one as well? Or are we just like waiting to... Oh, oh, we've made the point in the show that we'd like to be patriotic and optimistic. Oh, we're going to do that. Yes. I'm totally on board. 100%. I think taking, in... I took predictions. Uh, Tolakele said, uh, I think she said quarterfinals, hey? Karabo said we wouldn't get out of the, the, the group stage. I think we're going to make it out of the group. I can see us going up against Mali and doing quite well in Namibia. Um, Tunisia is probably the one that you have to worry about. Uh, I think we can... Why not a semi-final? If we're going to be optimistic, let's be optimistic all the way. Semi-final, top four, uh, puts us in great stead. Realistically, we're probably out in the groups. But I mean, it all (laughs) starts on a Saturday with the Ivory Coast, the host taking on Guinea Bissau. That's going to be a very interesting one because this Ivory Coast team for, you know... All the stars that they've had of yesteryear and the fact that Wilfred Zaha is there. You have a lot of uh, Premier League players in there. They haven't played the best football when it actually comes down to it. So how much pressure are they going to be feeling on the night? Um, Egypt, Mozambique is going to be quite exciting just because I'm a huge Mohamed Salah fan. And I think when it comes to the national team, they don't give him the opportunity or the space that they do at uh, Liverpool. And so maybe this will be the year. Um, mm. But South Africans, Mali is our Kickstarter on Tuesday evening. So it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Oh. Oh, goodness. Oh. <laughs> also, in, in the mix anyway, of all of this, the um, Australian Open starts on Sunday. So, the new season of Breakpoint has dropped on Netflix, mm-hmm. which I've already like binged my way through. So, I'm very excited for that as well. Did you like tennis before? Can you tell that I just really want to speak about it? I think, I think so. Did you like tennis, tennis before, though? Oh, or was yeah, it just absolutely. like Breakpoint no, no, no. brought you in? Like how, how everybody started watching F1. Yes, after Drive to Survive. Drive to Survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought so I was going to play Wimbledon one day. Oh, okay. 
Well, I mean, we're going to be able to watch the Australian Open. I'm not excited. I'm a huge Rafa Nadal fan. And the fact that it's another Grand Slam that he's going to be injured, he's going to be sitting out, it just doesn't bode well for us Rafa fans because he did say that this was going to be his last year. Anthony, you take you and your gloom out of my studio. Wow. Thanks, Mandy. <laughs> Anthony Tashada, thank you so much for, for making us all laugh and bringing us uh, some some sporting analysis. What did you say for Bafana Bafana? Semi-finals. Semi-finals. That's the most optimistic uh, prediction we've had so far. Anthony Tashada, thank you very much. Good things. Good things. With Brent Lindeke. Brent Lindeke, the good things guy in studio. Welcome, Brent. Nice to have you in studio. Uh, Mans, uh, it's great to be in studio. This is like my first real work thing for for 2024. So I nearly said 2023. <laughs> I keep doing that. Every time I write the date, I do 2023 and then you cross out the three and put the four. But this is my first real work thing. I'm in studio. Uh, hello, Johannesburg in Cape Town. It's great to be here. Hello, Brent Lindeku. Great to have you here. Uh, listen, how are you feeling about South Africa, election year? Um, we're already in the full swing of, of election year with uh, the ANC January 8th and we're all talking about it. How are you feeling about the year? Look, I'm really positive, but it's coming from a source. Right, I'm the good things guy. I'm a positive guy. Uh, I will say this though: it's very easy to get sucked into a very negative space, and I did it this week. Uh, I was on social media. I was on Twitter. I know it's called X. I still call it Twitter. I'm going to keep calling it Twitter. I was on Twitter and I was tweeting and I was reading the news and I was seeing what was happening and I felt the sense of like doom and gloom in my tummy. And and my tweets got quite negative. I was posting things that were so different to who I am. And um, it took a moment of, of sort of clarity to, to look inwards and, and see what I was doing and see how I was getting sucked in. And I had to turn it around. I had to be like, Brenty, this is not who you are. This is not what you're about. Um, yes, it's tough. There are, there are many things going on. Uh, the, election, the election talk and the things on social media, the divisive things that we see are in full action. Um, but I think it's a choice as to whether we get sucked into that or, or whether we rise above and try to still find those moments moments of magnificence. So a lot of people going back to work this week, some people only going back to work next week, people going back to school next week as well. Uh, so how do we how do we reignite our, our work mojo? What are some of your tips? It's tough. I'm not going to lie. It's so tough. I uh, was supposed to start work this week and I decided to, to sort of take a week longer. I had worked throughout the whole of December, still writing articles, still getting that good news out there. But I really needed to just take a break because I wasn't getting that balance right. Um, and so I realized a lot of people must be feeling this the same and I put together a couple of tips. The first being an easy way to power yourself up in the morning is to to put together a really cool playlist, music that you enjoy, music that gets you going and listen to that maybe on your way to work, whether you walk or if you drive, put it in the car and listen to that music. The second thing is to refresh your workspace. Look at where you work and get rid of all the clutter, get rid of all the old stuff from 2023 and maybe bring in something new to refresh that space and make it feel new and fresh. The third is come up with some cool snack attacks during the day. I shared a recipe for um, my salt and vinegar crunchy chickpeas, 
which people were like, what? That sounds incredible. And yeah, um, I was on a cooking show, so I do know how to do that. Uh, you didn't bring any with you. I didn't bring any with me. Uh, but get some snacks at your desk to keep you going and then it won't feel so terrible. Also, virtual vacation photos, a huge thing. So my MacBook has got a widget that I can put on it to put photos. And I've taken all the photos from my holiday, all my favorite stuff that I did. And every time I move the email over or something, these holiday photos come up to remind me of what a great time I've had. And it makes me still feel like I'm on holiday. Two more things. One, take mini breaks during the day and reward yourself for getting the job done. So the mini break thing is, is a big thing for me. I wake up at ups five, I start working. Nine o'clock, I stop and I go to gym for an hour. Then I'm back at work, uh, work until lunchtime. Lunchtime, I'm off. I take my lunchtime. And in the afternoon, I take my dogs for a walk. And I feel like those little breaks really just refresh the day and keep your mind active. And the last thing is something I learned when climbing Kilimanjaro. In Kilimanjaro, you learn a Swahili t- term that says pole pole, which means slowly, slowly. Um, You can't finish all the work and all the tasks all the time. So take those things and just look at it one task at a time. Maybe take the biggest one at the start of the day and then work through them pole pole, just slowly, slowly, and you'll get through that day. There's no pole pole on the midday report. We're just like (laughs) full speed ahead from one interview to the next, but I'll try and remember that. Thank you. Uh, And then also just a reminder that uh, there are ways to be kinder this year. Yes, absolutely. So this is something that we've um, we've spoken about every start of the year since about 2021. And that first year, we managed collectively as South Africans to pay off 330,000 rands worth of laybys around the country. And our readers, again, our Good Things Guy readers have messaged us. That they've said to us, we need to be promoting this as something we can do. You can go into your local pep stores and Ackerman stores. I don't know of any other stores that are doing laybys anymore, but we do know those pep stores and labor and Ackerman stores are doing laybys and here's the crazy thing a lot of South Africans put their school kids uh, their kids school clothes on labor so those school shoes the the shirts the pants they are on labor and the kids won't have new school clothes for a new school year but if you go into your local pep you put down 50 bucks or 100 bucks onto someone's labor they'll get a phone call later that afternoon to say that things are paid off and we have had real stories of south africans who have uh, told us about how their labor has got paid off so that's an easy way to give back and south africans are doing it right now which is really cool oh that's so beautiful and such a, a great recommendation so you can go out and do that today uh, if if you want to before the school year starts. So Brenty, we're going into 2024. I keep saying it's going to be wild. It's an election year. It's going to be heavy. There's lots to deal with, but but light and shade, as I always say, we've got to have balance. Absolutely. We've got to have balance. We've got to be looking for those good things. They are happening all around you. I promise you, your communities, your neighbors, your friends, um, you just got to dig deep and find those stories. Sometimes the dark can far outweigh where the light is. And if we open that crack and let the light through, that's when it really starts shining. And we've got to do that. Brent Lindeku, the good things guy, as you always say. Only good things! To all of the listeners and all of that stuff. (laughs) The Midday Report. Oh, what a what a joy and delight it is to have Brent Lindeku in the studio. You can hear him every Friday at uh, at the end of the show, uh, bringing us some balance, some light and shade, some goodness. It's important that that we remember to to balance the darkness with all the light, as Brent said. Uh, so at the moment, Israel still making its case before the ICJ. Remember, it has three hours to do so today. It asked for an extra hour, so that currently underway. And you can continue to get updates uh, throughout the afternoon and on EWN as well.